you get a young person who actually becomes very successful for you very early on in their career. Um, I gave an example at today's event of one of our apprentices, Addison. He started with us in 2016 as our 2D apprentice when he was 17. If he carries on the way he's going, we have absolutely no doubt that he'll be a compositing supervisor by the time he's 25. Welcome to the Access VFX podcast. Pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. In this episode, we speak from VFX Apprenticeships Made Easy, our industry event at 101 in Soho, where we spoke to employers, encouraging them to get involved with the apprenticeship programme. This is what we discussed. Hello, I'm Neil Hatton. I'm Chief Executive of UK Screen Alliance, which is the trade association for visual effects, post and animation. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm the Head of Talent at Framestore. Hi, I'm Phil Atfield. I'm the VFX and Animation Partnership Director at NextGen Skills Academy. Excellent. So there's quite a few bodies in, uh, involved between Access VFX, UK Screen, NextGen and Screen Skills. How do they all fit together? Okay. I can start just purely from a diversity and inclusion point of view and uh, an obvious support of apprenticeships. Uh, because a lot of the events that we run as Access VFX are concerned with entry-level opportunities. And when you talk about inclusion and diversity, apprenticeships is, is the big one because we, we try to reach socioeconomic areas, broad regional areas, uh, and many others, uh, which I could get into, which I won't. Um, but um, the key thing with Access VFX is the, the reach in terms of diversity. You know, we can, get, we can, get, you know, we can attract uh, a diverse audience to your studio, we can attract the right kind of candidates. Uh, if you're looking to have diversity or believe in diversity as a studio, we can meet that remit for you. So uh, on the policy side, uh, we do a lot of research around what, how the industry is upskilling its workforce. And we found that the apprenticeship levy, which is something that the, the larger studios, the larger employers have to pay, there was a large amount of money being built up in a pot that nobody could access or at least it was going to waste so we've we've come up with a few schemes to allow smaller studios to access the money that the larger studios have been building up in their own levy pots so this is to get funding for apprenticeship training uh, to the smaller studios so that we can upskill the whole industry yep okay I can speak on behalf of Screen Skills. So, Screen Skills' main responsibility in this area has been around um, helping us to actually develop the standards that are required by government in order to run an apprenticeship. So, an apprenticeship can only be run on an approved course, and an approved course has to be written by industry and approved by the Institute for Apprenticeships. Um, That's quite a lot of work. Typically, it takes about a year to get a a standard through the development process, and it needs support, and it needs someone who understands 
um, the institute's terminology and education terminology and how um, you might assess a young person and that's where screen skills have been really inv invaluable in providing secretariat to the industry essentially to help us write our standards and get them through. And we should just also mention that the, the funding for that has come from the high-end television fund uh, which is the levy that the producers pay so they've been uh, providing uh, funds to employ the secretariat for that process. Uh, uh, next Jen, we're, our, one of our, our central role is being the vehicle for industry to engage with education and training providers so we're trying to um, uh, bridge that gap and it, it is a bit of a gap between the people who do something in the real world the, the industry world and the people who teach it to, to make it a, a meshed relationship which benefits the learners mm -hmm. so learners are um, there's a flow of information from industry delivering in education uh, and, edu and tutors going into industry which all benefits the learner experience Cool. Okay, so today's been about trying to kind of spread the word on apprenticeships and getting more studios involved because I think to date there's it's been more of the bigger studios involved. What would you say, why, why should a, a small studio get involved with apprenticeships? The key benefit I think to having an apprentice is that you get to train them your way. They don't come to you with any bad habits, they don't come to you having learned that the industry is a certain way and in fact that's not how it is at your studio at all and so you get to train them in a way that works for you you also obviously engender loyalty in that individual because you've invested in them and invested in their training um, additionally you get a young person who actually becomes very successful for you very early on in their career. Um, I gave an example at today's event of one of our apprentices, Addison. He started with us in 2016 as our 2D apprentice when he was 17. Um, we're expecting that later this year we will make him a junior compositor, so that will be at the age of 20. Um, and if he carries on the way he's going, we have absolutely no doubt that he'll be a compositing supervisor by the time he's 25. And if you compare that to his peers who might have gone to university, at the age of 25, they'll most likely only still be a junior compositor at, at best. So it really does expedite their careers, which is of benefit to them, but of course it's of benefit to our studios as well. We, we're recruiting young people who have decided this is what they really want and they're really committed to it. They're not going to university to have a think about it and try things and see what they think and whatever. You know, to take on the apprenticeship, they've decided this is what they want. And certainly in Addison's, Addison's case, he's really committed himself and every, he's taken every opportunity that's come his way and every opportunity to learn things. He drained his mentor dry of all information so I think it really is that passion and commitment that they come with when, when they make the decision to take on the apprenticeship yeah, cool. I was going to say as a recruiter you get to truly hire for potential, I think historically we've always thought we can only get talent through university and I've got nothing against university or degrees but it was always blinkered, I mean as long as Access VFX has been around it's been kind of the duration of the VFX apprenticeship programme and I love that we get to go to these assessment days and hire based on communication skills, collaboration skills, kind of broad leadership, not like heavy duty leadership, but just people who play nice together. Because actually, we, I mean, I can speak uh, uh, of Alfie at the mill where I, where I work, and he came in with a, a smidgen of After Effects, and that's all he really knew, but he really wanted to work in the industry. 
but he performed so well on the assessment day that we just had to take him on. And he's been hired, like most of our, we've got so many stories, haven't we, across all the studios. We took him on recently as a 2D artist and he's absolutely smashing it and the, and the team are really pleased with him and there's a reason why we've almost tripled the intake now because you know we have changed the game in terms of the recruitment and, and those entry points. Yeah, so as a studio, kind of, what's it cost a studio to do an apprenticeship? A salary? Yeah. That's kind of it, really. I mean, obviously, we pay into the levy, but, you know, I'm not saying it's free money. Well, well I mean, the larger yes, companies yeah. have to pay into the levy, yeah. but the smaller companies, through the scheme that we've got running in UK Screen, can actually access that money. So they essentially can get £9,000 for a VFX training to cover the training and assessment costs. They still have to pay the salaries, of course, yeah. but they get that money, which we're, we're actually doing transfers between the larger companies and the smaller companies. To, to make that money flow. So uh, there's nothing to stop a smaller company taking on an apprentice. And, and we've already seen in, in smaller companies, we've got experience of seeing how that can be successful too. It doesn't have to just be in the larger companies. Yep. Uh, that, you know, the smaller companies, maybe even as, as small as 10 people could have an apprentice and that apprentice can still have a great experience and the company can have a great experience as well. Yeah, so there's all that trading money, which I think is just sitting in a pot and not yeah. used. Well, yeah, it's all sitting in uh, Her Majesty's Treasury at the moment and we just <laughs> need to unlock it and, and get it out into the industry and, and upskill because we do need a lot more talent yeah. in this industry. It's grown exponentially over the last few years. It's still mm. growing uh, and, and you know we, we need to get that young talent in. It's essential for yeah. the growth of our industry. Future. I think you said there's... What is it, 100 grand a month that's being just oh, well, absorbed? Yeah, because um, <laughs> we, we, the statistical work we've done, we found out that the, uh, the large levy payers in the VFX sector were actually paying about £1.1 million a year between them. And they're only using about 10% of it on apprenticeships. So because that money expires after two years, it's more than 100000 a month is now starting to expire. So that's a huge waste. We really need to get that into training provision. So we've got every, all the students got talent problems and there's this money just sitting there waiting to be used. It needs to be fixed and we're trying to fix it. So on, on the salaries side, uh, for people who are running kind of companies, obviously there is a, a salary there. What kind of salary the apprenticeships being paid? So as an industry, we decided that it made sense to come up with a sort of band that we could all agree on. And that band is somewhere in the sort of 15 to 16K region. Um, we felt that is significantly more than the minimum wage for an apprentice um, because we felt that as most of our apprentices were in London, um, it, they just no way they could survive on less than that in London. Um, but actually, an employer can choose to pay whatever they like for their apprentice, really. They could pay the minimum apprentice wage if that's what they chose to pay. That's absolutely fine. They obviously can't pay less than that. Um, but they can pay anything over that as well. Um, it's really down to the individual employers. But most of us pay in the fifteen to 16000 a year region. Okay. And then how does it work uh, for if you're a studio out of London? How would that work in terms of the, the training? Well, uh, at the moment, the theory says that you'd have to find a local training provider, mm -hmm. which um, you, you might have someone nearby who says, yes, I can deliver this for you, and you'd have to have a look at what the track record was. Uh, here where we're standing, we're in Westminster Kingsway College today, where they're doing training already aimed at new entrants, um, and it's geographically based with London companies. But they're building a, a library of assets and um, you know, what they're delivering to the, to the students, um, to the apprentices, 
which could turn into e-learning down the line. That's, that's the ambition for that. So I think there's always going to be a case for saying, well, someone should come to a physical place, meet a cohort of apprentices um, for a week at a time or whatever, so, so just understand that they're on a journey with other people. Um, but in terms of flexibility, that's what we're looking at with Westminster Kingsway for other, other employers further afield. To make that so they, uh, would uh, an apprentice be able to just travel to London to, for the, the boot camps? For yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if um, at the moment, we, today we were talking to, um, actually it was a games company in Cambridge, um, and they could be you know, look, looking to have someone come down for the boot camps, then go back to work with them. Um, with games companies looking at visual effects apprenticeships, we'll be looking to contextualise what the standard has, can, is it applicable? But yeah, it's, it, people could come for shorter blocks and make sure they have time booked into their working schedule for, for them to study on um, assets that have been made available remotely. Because it's like 20, because it's learning on the job, but yeah. 20% of their time is yeah. spent it, learning. You could do it as one day a week, um, but we haven't set it up on delivery like that because it's aimed at new entrants. Yeah. So it's, it's better off if you start them with a good block so they can turn up, up at work capable of doing something and they've uh, got used to the, the, the professional terms and turning up every day on time and all that kind of stuff uh, and then they come back out for subsequent weeks or intense periods which again could be someone could do a week of um, remote activities if the right assets are made available. One of the biggest issues all the students have is finding talent. How, do you, how on earth do you find talent to do the apprenticeships? How's the whole recruitment process work? Well, we've, in the past, we've uh, gone to, uh, through um, uh, groups like uh, Not Going to Uni, for instance, which has been, uh, been useful. But um, uh, uh, more recently, the work that Access VFX done has been throwing up a lot more interest. And mm. um, I mean, there's a little partnership of organisations standing around this microphone at the moment. But we also network out with other people like Screen Skills and like Interfilm. So there's a very effective. Um, information flow which is building up um, uh, yeah, careers information and getting young people coming in so the latest round of uh, applicants we, we have which are about to be sifted um, just from a look at uh, uh, addresses they're from all over the country and studios don't find their own apprentices or they can uh, well they get to they uh, they all get collated in one place at the moment um, and then sifted by next gen and then the, each studio who joins us gets uh, a long list and they mark up who they'd like to invite to an, to an assessment day and all the employers uh, come to an assessment day with their invitees and they meet everyone in a group at this point the uh, the invited applicants don't know which employers have has selected them to come down and meet them so it's it's a, a level playing field for the employers and sometimes someone's first pick ends up going with a company and they might go elsewhere yeah, but it's, um, it's an interesting process seeing people uh, have to collaborate um, work negotiate what it is to be in a team on the hoof um, and then present themselves to a panel of maybe up to six employers in one go as a little group describing what they've done that day what their individual aspirations are and it's, it's, it's quite revealing I think for what people are like because they get they have a team challenge right so you, yeah, yeah. all the studios evaluate their kind of yeah, interpersonal yeah. Well, skills and their well, teamwork skills well the first the first um, uh, 
uh, challenge they have is the human knot, which is it's what it sounds like. It's people holding each other's hands in a, in a great mess. Um, you'd have thought the employers would just like to sit back and watch how that goes, but no, last time round they decided they were going to do their own human knot. <laughs> and were yeah, quite pleased that they, they, they solved their knot before the apprentices did. But, uh, so there's that. You're, you're basically, you're not, well, that's, that's an icebreaker that's telling you sort of like, will people engage? if they're going to get stuck in. It's a fairly simple one. Uh, and the next challenge after that is a Lego challenge that we've done before where people are, one person from a group is shown a model for 60 seconds. They then have to go back and describe that model to the rest of the group who then try and rebuild it. Then someone else goes in, sees, sees the model again, comes back, says, we've got this right, got this wrong, change it. And that carries on with employees doing cruel things like changing the model. Yeah. Completely. Um, you realise you're going to have to create some new challenges now. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to know what we're learning. Yeah, there's, there's, <clears throat> there's always ways to do it. <laughs> cool. Okay, and you've, uh, Simon, no, you've had a 16 year old, is that right? Yes, we took Adam on. He's 17 now. Turned 17 recently, thankfully. He's getting there. He's yeah. nearly an adult. Um, but yeah, we took him on when we were 16. It, was just, we, it wasn't a conscious decision to take on a 16 year old. We were just so impressed with, with his work. I mean, I, I still remember shortlisting uh, that first shift that NextGen sent across and being stunned by the, the quality of his work and he was only 16. I mean, this is kind of what we're looking for. It comes back to my point around potential. I mean, the, the quality of the work that comes through that sift is incredible. And these are not just young people, by the way. You know, there are older, you know, 40 pluses who come through the program as well. But um, yeah, the quality, and they've not gone through, a lot of them haven't gone through university, a lot of them are kind of your bedroom artists. Mm. It's, it's stunning. Yeah. Have you found that's kind of integrated in the studio, having someone with, without a degree or anything, with quite a limited amount of experience, kind of embedding themselves it's in It's about it. the communication, really. I mean, I think that they're seen as very different programs, because it was a conversation we had earlier at this event, is that you've got the traditional running program, where you have runners who typically come in through the running, the running route, obviously, come in through the running route, but they come in through the university route, mm -hmm. And they could run for between eight to 12 months, maybe longer in some cases, doing their training. And then they finally get into that kind of um, that, that role that they wanted to get into, or at least the early stages of it. And then you have a, an apprentice who comes in who's not been to university, and they come in and straight off the bat of their four-week block at, um, at Next Gen Skills Academy or at Westminster Kidsway College, should I say, they are straight into the strap box and they're almost getting credited on jobs within the first couple of months. Like it's, uh, But they have to be positioned as very separate routes in and it can't be compared life to life. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I think that, okay, just going back to the point about potential for, yeah. for a moment. Um, sitting where I do, which is in the middle of all the activity around this, I'm quite aware that um, recruiters and talent um, handlers and people involved with learning and development are quite at home with the idea of hiring for potential. The people you, I think, that you sometimes have to bring with you within a company are the line managers, because at the end of the day, they're used mm. to having people being brought in who've got the finished skills. Mm. So, what they have to get used to is this is a strategic decision that we're going to take people and bring them through. Yeah. Um, and that's a, yeah. so it's not just a, um, a culture change of what's it like to have a younger person in your business. It's a culture change for some line managers of ah. Oh, uh, I'm not just employing someone because I know they can already do this job. I'm employing someone because I know they're going to develop into one or more roles over a period of time. So that's an investment. It's an investment. So what, what would uh, anyone say to if someone was running a small studio and they said, okay, I'll get an apprentice. It's going to cost me, you know, 15, 16 grand. Why, why should I do that? 
what, what's the benefit to the studio? I think it's, a, it's as, as Phil says, it's a great investment. Um, you're going to have somebody who um, has got great skills, great potential, is loyal to you as well, uh, and, and it's an investment over a long term. It's, a, a, it's, a, it's looking to the future. And I think one of, the, one of the things that I like about working within the visual effects industry is what, what impresses me is the way all the studios come together around the skills issue. So we've got a really impressive skills pipeline now between 16 or even earlier really because we've been through Access VFX we're reaching out into schools now with careers advice. So we've got Next Gen Skills Academy, industry owned, industry approved and industry involved in it right the way through into the apprenticeships, industry right involved in that, created the apprenticeships, running those apprenticeships in, in their own studios and, and liaising with the college as well. We've got this fantastic pipeline and, and I think that's really great and it's to the VFX industry's credit that they've all worked together on building that. Because it is, you know, it's, it's all about kind of mentor practice. And I think when we always have these discussions and say, oh, how come, you know, all the, the students in France are so good? It's when they have like five years training. And uh, from my experience, all the best students are the ones who have been practicing in their bedroom since they were like yeah. 13. So I think one of the best things about the whole initiative is if someone does a next gen course when they're 16 and, and has two years of learning kind of animation, VFX and, and games, and then does another, you know, 18 months, that's nearly four years of non-stop kind of mental practice, yeah. which then kind of gets you up to that point. And in the current climate where the Brexit and... and you mentioned the B word, Tom. <laughs> you always have to go there. But, you know, we, we have to kind of future-proof our talent pipeline. So I think that's one of the things that everyone needs to get behind. Well, and one of the other things that I was certainly always hearing in... in Framestore was, you know, if you think about the people who started the industry in London 25, 30 years ago, there was no such thing as a visual effects degree then. Um, and so they all did apprentice. They, they weren't called apprenticeships right. then and they weren't formalised as apprenticeships. But that's what they did. They didn't know anything when they started and they learned yeah. on the job. Um, and I was hearing a lot from those people, you know, oh, the people coming through from degrees, they, you know, they're sort of a bit like clones because they're all taught the same thing and they all do the same tests and they come out with similar showreels. And I think that was fine when the industry was growing really exponentially sort of 15 years ago and we just needed bodies. But we've sort of reached a point of growth now where it's not about bodies, it's coming back to that. It's actually about innovators and creators and um, people with unique skill sets and the ability to actually learn new things you know mm. there's all the, the stuff happening around VR and AR and MR and you, know, you need people who are adaptable and flexible and can pick up new skills and actually the apprenticeship is sort of going back to how people used to used to learn in this industry when the industry was new and, and you know I think that's a really good thing and it's a really interesting thing and it adds a different dynamic to the studio so I think it, you know if you're running a small studio I think that's hugely valuable actually so it's finding that raw talent more yeah. local talent and then yeah. just fast tracking it yeah. through the system you get, you get genuine new perspectives and fresh perspectives through the apprenticeship you know again you've got all those traditional routes that we've had even, even the historic kind of Un, uh, informal apprenticeship that happened back in the day I mean you know we had the event early like I said and uh, 
you've got people who come from different parts of the country who have had different experiences, who have career changes, who have maybe been to university and it didn't work out for them, they've been unemployed for ages. I mean, it's all these, this rich mix of new perspectives coming into industry can only be a good thing. And then on the flip side of that, as employers, you get this real sense of like, pride. Like, you know, I come to all of these events um, and, you know, usually it's Amy and I are talking about our apprentices at, you know, the, the mill and, and frame store respectively. And you, you speak with this lovely kind of glow of, you know, mentioning names. I mean, I talk about Alfie a lot because he's come in with nothing. Yeah, I'm sure forgive me for saying that. And he's literally employed now. And we talk about the credits and the jobs they've worked on and I've sat on panels with them and uh, it's amazing, you know, they're, they're, I mean, I've worked with apprentices in various different companies and, you know, they come in at such a young age and older, I always have to caveat that, that comment, but you have um, a lot of, uh, of, of, of uh, young, particularly young people coming in who are at career crossroads within, by the time they're 22 and they've already been credited on Marvel films and stuff. It's, and, it's amazing. And they've been earn, earning a wage, yeah, yeah. and they're not saddled with 40 grand plus of well, student yeah, debt. Absolutely. You know, so it, it is, it's very good for socioeconomic inclusion, mm. uh, because you, know, you don't have to be financed by the bank of mom and dad through your education. So I think that's, that's, that's another great thing. Yeah. And, and that that's allows us to go and, you know, go and explore these pools of talent yeah. that never really develop. And I think that's an important point. There's, there's talent out there, but it's just not developing because of the lack of opportunity. Mm. So if we can provide the opportunity and apprenticeships and, and the, the careers advice that's going through Access VFX, yeah. that all provides that opportunity. So you've, you've convinced the studios to get on board. What do they do next? How can they, how can they get involved? Well, they can carry on getting involved with um, next-gen courses because through that you're, you're getting direct impact on students learning through master classes and, and setting briefs um, but, but just but just before we started yep. doing this podcast there was a speaking to a gentleman who'd been to our event today who's gone away saying right I'm now going to set up a hundred Houdini seats in Doncaster as based on a next gen course we're going to be running a next gen course with you now mm. and that's from coming down and hearing employers mm. speak about the progression routes and where they want to go so um, for employers, I'd say keep on engaging with your local colleges and with NextGen to get uh, that, that coherent, consistent spread across the country. And if they want an apprentice, what, want, what do they do? If they want an apprentice, um, they, they can join in with the NextGen recruitment. Um, there's plenty of information on the government websites about how you can do it locally. But start that dialogue with your, with your local college. If, you, if you're in the specific VFX or animation area, I'd encourage you to come to NextGen because we know who's, who the providers are who might be able to help you. Yeah. And how do they get in contact with you? They, uh, through the websites, they can, there's email addresses on there and info at NextGen and then we'll route them. Okay. And if they want to hear experiences, they can email get in touch. with yeah. Access VFX? Get in touch with Access VFX. Um, can email me direct at simon at accessvfx.org. That's my personal email address. Um, we can have a conversation uh, and we can loop you in. I mean, if you want to get involved with the, this collaboration that Neil was talking about, the community and everything we've done through Access VFX and through the apprenticeship program, it, you've got this community effort, this shared experience that all the studios are working together towards a shared goal. Um, so any questions you have, or even if you want to become a member of Access VFX and get involved with that wider collaboration, drop me a note. Cool. And if you want to get funding, if you're a small studio, just contact me at UK Screen Alliance. Go on the website there and you'll find, uh, you'll be able to get in touch with me. And um, we've got a, a cohort, well, we're planning to do a cohort this September, VFX Apprentices. 
So we're looking for small studios to take those apprentices. So they can get involved right now? They can get involved right now, yes. Don't delay. It's, okay. it's all happening now. Get involved. Excellent. Don't miss out. Cheers, everyone. Thanks, Thank Tom. Thanks, Tom. There we go. End of another Access VFX podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring programme and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thank you for listening and until next time, bye.